Welcome to the Six Pillars podcast, lifting the lid on the vision to make grain a $6 billion industry by 2030. The market opportunity pillar of the SA Grains Blueprint has a vision which states, South Australia will understand the desires, needs of major consumers of its grain and will be growing, trading and delivering on those needs to those consumers. To detail the thinking behind this, I was joined in the GPSA studio by grains expert Jonathan Wilson, and we started by looking at our current markets. So if you look at the commodities that we're producing in the big numbers, wheat, barley, canola, and lentils or pulses, by far we have got one international market for each of those commodities. Wheat goes to Indonesia, barley goes to China, our oil seeds of canola goes to the European Union, and our pulses go to India. We're talking 60% of our, our exports go to those individual markets or more. So we're really highly structured towards those four destinations. So if we have a problem at one of those destinations, whether it's a, a political issue or a non-tariff barrier or there's a hygiene issue or, or some other um, community expectation coming out of those origins or those destinations, we're really exposed so ultimately, we could lose those markets with essentially the stroke of a legislator's pen. So we need to understand how we're going to manage those expectations. But also we need to look at what we think they're going to want in 2030. What we're trying to do is we're trying to have a value chain uh, approach to what we're doing. And if we really want to have a value chain approach, we need to understand what our value proposition is. Okay, well, let's unscramble that a little bit. Most people know what a supply chain is. What's a value chain? What's the difference here you're looking for? Well, I mean, a supply chain is just taking a bare commodity and pushing it through. I think a value... Which is what we're doing. Which is what we're doing in lots of ways. But a value chain is actually understanding the value of what we're handling and how we're going to add value. So everyone who touches the product on the way through understands and is looking for a way to add value to that product. And that could be as simple as the truckie making sure that the back of his truck is completely clean and that he's assuring that the hygiene of that grain on the way through or it could be in the fact that we understand the functionality of our grain so we're actually storing grain together that has the same functionality we can then derive value out of that so we're looking at as an industry ways that we can actually start talking about a value chain and the value proposition that we're bringing because that is what we're doing if you look at our competing origins they are simply taking a raw bulk product and putting it out in the market. We're trying to do something different. I guess it really comes down to that we need to understand what our customers are demanding in terms of the, the functionality of the grain or in terms of, of what they're trying to achieve with it in order to be able to access the best value. The message that I'm getting here is making our product unique to those particular markets. And I Kangaroo Island is often a story in that regard in terms of its barley being sought by Japanese brewers. Is that a bigger story we need to be trying to develop around us rather than we put grain on boats and send it away? Look, I guess the bulk part of what we do is going to remain our biggest markets. You know, So in 2030, we're still going to be exporting probably 60% of what we produce. At the minute, we're probably 75 to 80% of what we produce in an average year. The KI story is fabulous, but in terms of the volumes, it's actually quite small. But it's wonderful that they've come up with a provenance for their grain and they've come up with a, an opportunity and a, a, almost a closed supply chain so the end users can see that value through. Is there an opportunity for all of South Australia? Look, in reality, there's probably not. That's what our workshops and the people who have participated in it have said. 
but in various regions there may be. So there might be an opportunity, for example, on the Air Peninsula to do Air Peninsula grain or Air Peninsula oats or, or whatever it is. Are there other regions? You know, if you go to the, the supermarket, you can see uh, there's, there's pulses packed in the York Peninsula for sale in the supermarkets. And you know, we're talking very small niche opportunities there. I guess what I'm talking about is the bigger value chain approaches. You know, whenever we're talking sending a Panamax of, of wheat to Indonesia, what is it that our Indonesian partners want? When you're selling 60,000 tons in a Panamax, you know, you're not talking small volumes, you're talking very big volumes, but how then can we compete against much lower cost origins like Russia and the Ukraine uh, going into what, what is our key market? And is that about making us then distinguishable and uh, the quality that's coming with our grain and clean and green? Are those things sort of rolled in there to make our provenance stand out? Yeah, look, I think we need to figure out what is it that we can do that is unique to South Australia or unique to Australia. One of our things, if you're talking about Indonesian wheat, is our functionality. So we're the only origin that breeds out late maturity amylase in wheat. But we're the only origin that does that. We've got a a really highly functional wheat, particularly when it comes to yellow alkaline noodles. We've got wheat that's in balance that no one else has. So our, our stretchiness and the strength of our dough is in balance. So there's no other origin that does that. So we've got a functionality that is superior to pretty much every other origin and how then do we manage that? But we're also looking at what those opportunities are going to be like in 2030. What sort of weight are they going to be demanding in Indonesia in 2030? And we know that they're going to be demanding weight that is going to be really good for bread. We know that there's going to be increasing demand for cakes and biscuits, which is our soft weight. And we also know there's going to be increased demand for animal protein, particularly beef. And that has opportunities for our feed grains. So if you look at Indonesia, those are three markets that we're probably not targeting as Australia or certainly not targeting as South Australia. And so do we want to be part of those? And do we see the opportunities there? So there's huge opportunities in terms of volume. And it's just up to us to decide, do we want to be part of it? Is that a big new market opportunity we need to focus on onshore as well? Because the beef industry has developed its own blueprint. Look, the feed story is probably one of the most powerful ones to come out of the blueprint. I I think we've known it kind of instinctively, but we haven't actually articulated it very well. So if you look at the beef blueprint for South Australia, which we're trying to look at and support, uh, they're looking to finish a lot more cattle in South Australia every year out to 2030. So being able to support that increase in red meat production is going to be really important. The other story from a, a meat point of view, and particularly important for South Australia, is poultry. So every Australian this year will eat, on average, 50 kilograms of chicken. That's a lot of chicken. Then if you look out to 2030, we're going to have 5 million more Australians. So even without a change in consumption demand, we're going to find another 250 million kilograms of chicken a year. That's what we have to produce just for our domestic demand. Now, if we aim for South Australia to capture 15% of that growth, we're going to be slaughtering an additional 1.25 million chickens every week in South Australia, just for 15% of the growth. That's 200,000-ish tonnes of grain demand. So we're seeing this potential grain demand nationwide and in South Australia as a huge opportunity. AGIC, the Australian Export Grain Innovation Centre, estimate by 2030 we're going to be consuming between 2.2 and 2.4 million tonnes more for the feed market in Australia. How do we bring that to South Australia? 
Does this then require a shift in thinking for growers? Because feed grain has often been viewed as, well, that wasn't good enough for export grain, so that's where it's going to go. We're going to get a lower margin for it. So is there a requirement here, a shift in thinking, and also the, the meat industry pays the right price for it as well? Yeah. There's a huge opportunity for some growers. For some growers, are just not going to want to be part of this, are not going to be close enough to the domestic market to make it worthwhile. But we're already seeing it from a lot of growers, particularly if you look over in the, in the Mali as an example, where they will put barley in the ground uh, and they'll put a what I call a maltish variety in the ground. And if it makes malting quality, then happy days. But ultimately, they're growing it for feed. They're growing it for yield. Now, if you look at what the average wheat grower does is they'll put wheat in the ground and they'll try to grow it for you know 10.5% protein to go in the APW bin or 11.5% protein for the, the hard wheat bin but they're growing it for the protein. So we're growing wheat for protein, but protein's not really what the meat market's demanding. They're demanding an energy content of grain. So there's an opportunity for us to develop wheat, for example, that is a high energy, low protein, high yielding wheat that some growers will put in the ground. And they're not going to grow it for export market. They're just going to grow it solely for volume and solely for the domestic market. If you look at barley as an example, why do growers grow barley instead of wheat? Why is it that 15% of the crop on the Air Peninsula is barley, but 25% in the rest of the state is barley? Why is it that this is this is going in that direction? I mean, barley for a lot of growers is the easiest crop to grow. You've got a better frost window, you've got lower inputs, and you've got a higher yield. So why is it that where there's a domestic market or the, the beginnings of a, a rampant domestic market, growers are growing more barley than wheat? Yeah, there's an opportunity there for us to grow feed wheat, but there's also an opportunity for us to increase our yields in terms of planting more barley if that's what the market's demanding. And we've seen the beef market up in Queensland take our barley week after week after week, and that's what they're consuming. Now, is it the same when you're talking about chickens and, and pork? Probably not as much. They're probably more interested in wheat than barley because of the energy content. But if we can figure out ways that we're actually meeting that demand... That's a huge opportunity. And, you know, 2.2 million tonnes more of feed demand in, in Australia. How do we drag a million tonnes of that to South Australia? And that then becomes our, our, our key market. The only market we can't lose to the Russians, or it's most difficult to lose to the Russians, is one that's right on our doorstep. Jonathan Wilson, thank you for taking us behind your thinking in this particular pillar of the blueprint. Thank you. Thank you.